Hey folks, welcome to episode 12 of Happy Hour. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, hi, my name is Jess Brohard and I'm an esports event host. And on this podcast, we talk to various people who work in esports and gaming, and we talk to them about their career, their mental health, and how the two go hand in hand. This week, I'm so excited because I got to talk to a really good friend of mine named Livin' Pink, aka Genevieve Forget. She used to be a huge StarCraft streamer, and we'll get into that a little bit more during the actual episode. But now she is a producer at Compulsion Games in Montreal. They're the studio that made the game We Happy Few. And Jen had just so much interesting stuff to say. So I hope that you enjoy listening to this podcast as much as I enjoyed recording it with Jen. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time to do this. And I know that like our, so it's a funny story because I have um, like a business partner that um, sort of, he's going to be managing like booking and and finding guests and stuff for the podcast. Mm -hmm. And so he actually tweeted at you and was like inviting you to be a guest on our podcast. And I saw that and I messaged him. And I was like, hey, FYI, I'm actually really good friends with her. So I'll just ask yeah. her. <laughs> but he's actually um, French Canadian as well. So he's oh. really, really did excited. I, by did like, I reply to him? Did I like this? I, <laughs> I don't know if I think he ended up deleting the tweet. So it might, oh. like, he literally might not even seen it because he probably deleted it as soon as I told okay. him that I could just reach out to you. But yeah. So yeah, I usually reply to people. So I was like, Oh, what did I miss? What did I <laughs> yeah, I think he deleted it right away. But I just thought that was a funny little story. So yeah, so yeah, this will be really, really like informal, just kind of conversational. I have a bunch of like topics prepared. And to start off with, um, I obviously know that right now you are a producer at Compulsion. I know before that, you were a community developer at Behavior, and you've worked for Ubisoft and a whole bunch of other places. Can you give our listeners a little spiel about like what you're about? Yeah. Uh, so I'm Jen. <laughs> I'm a producer <laughs> at Compulsion Games right now. Uh, before that, actually, I, I did a bunch of different jobs. Uh, but I did start as a community developer at Ubisoft on Rainbow Six Siege. Then I work as a project manager on Far Cry 5. Then I went to behavior and was a product manager on Dead Garden. And then I was on Dead by Daylight as a production manager. So yeah, I've, I've been at it for a couple of years now. I'm getting old. Yeah, um, but-, but before that, I used to be a full-time content creator, mm-hmm. uh, especially in StarCraft-related things. But then I slowly branched out. And when I started working in actively as a video game dev I kind of shut it down but now I'm back it's been like five <laughs> months since I know. my 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 rebirth of content creation you returned to twitch I was so happy to see that I know you had a lot of other people that were really happy to see that as well and I think you have such a fascinating story because I know like and we'll get into you know more of this um because I, I definitely want to talk about how you like went to law school and mm-hmm. and it was this awesome story so first though I want to ask about your transition from full-time content creation to, um, you know, working more on the kind of community developer side Mm -hmm. of things. What was the, what was the specific reason that you decided to step back from content creation? And then how did you land on what you do now as what your next step wanted to be? Yeah. Uh, so I was a content creator. Uh, I started doing it when I was in law school. I did one day of law school and kind of knew it was not really for me. Uh, I still decided to finish it. It was 
I did. I really, really disliked it very, very much. But I, I still finished it. But while I was doing it, I was kind of craving something to pour my time into, and that's uh, how I, I kind of explored many hobbies. But Starcraft really stuck with me. Um, and then I got super involved into StarCraft, really passionate about it. It kind of grew into a general love for esports. Uh, and when I ended up being a full-time content creator, that lasted not that long. It was like three months. But I, I was doing a lot of content creation while I was law school. Uh, but when I ended up doing it full-time for about three months, I thought it was a little bit lonely. Um, at the start, it was fine, but, uh, you know, I was doing like 40 hours per week of streaming, like being actually live, mm -hmm. plus everything behind the scenes, you know, like looking for yeah. sponsors, doing social media, putting it up on your YouTube, uh, reaching out for more sponsors, doing little reports, trying to do co-op stream with other people. Uh, so it was probably like 60 hours a week of alone time in front of my PC. Uh, and I think I had this craving to work as a team. Uh, so after a couple months, uh, I was networking really, really hard to kind of promote my stream and just make more contacts because it was fun. Mm -hmm. um, I was hanging out a lot with uh, Miss Harvey at the time, uh, which was funny. No, wait, she, she wasn't on their podcast. Was she? She was, yeah. Oh, yeah, she was. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> so I was hanging out with her. Because uh, we were both in Montreal, both into esports, so people were like, you guys should be friends. And then we really did become super good friends. <laughs> uh, at first, we were both like, like, of course, you guys fit us together. Like, oh, that's racist. We're both French-Canadians, so yeah, obviously like, we'll get along. Yeah, and then <laughs> they were totally right. And they were right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so she was actually, at the time, working at Ubisoft as a developer. Uh, and I was the full-time streamer, and she was a pro, but she wasn't pushing like con content creation really hard. So we kind of did a career swap where <laughs> she introduced me to a bunch of devs and kept bugging me and being like, "Come on, you should really do interviews and like you should join me at Ubisoft." And I was like, "You should really do content creation and join me on streams." So we kind of did both. <laughs> I, when I started feeling lonely, I decided, fine, I'll go to the job interviews and meet the people. I was slightly reluctant because I was really convinced I wanted to be in esports. Uh, but then I interviewed from Rainbow Six, uh, which wasn't like Siege wasn't a public thing at the time. It was like far, far away from being something people heard of. Like it didn't uh, have like a competitive scene. I mean, or you just know, like there used to be a scene in Rainbow Six Vegas, but since there had been like nothing, mm -hmm. uh, so there was no expectation that this would be an esport. Uh, but they they had it in mind, and that's why they they interviewed me, and they knew I grew a community, and I was really into esports. So that's kind of how it happened. I went to the job interview. Um, we talked about esports a lot. I tried the game. There was already the preparation phase and the drones. And like the strategy was really obvious in my eyes that it was going to be a real thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was like, oh, well, that kind of is working on esports. <laughs> I, I can dig this. I can yeah. do this. And they totally charmed me with how they did their interview. <laughs> I think I had the, probably one of the wildest uh, job interview processes out of all of Ubisoft. 
I don't know. That? I don't know out of all the job interview processes, but so they asked me as part of my recruitment process if I would be comfortable showing up uh, in the dev team, uh, playing the game, and then the same day casting the game oh. for the like the results of an internal tournament in front of the whole dev team. Oh, and that's my job interview. Who does that? That's a, that's crazy. I mean, that's very hands on, but like they really like threw you threw you under oh, the bus yeah. there because they were like, "Hey, these people made this game, so yeah. why don't you now commentate it for the yeah, people yeah. that made it?" Oh yeah. God! And I was like, "Okay, I'm gonna need a co-caster, please. I want somebody who knows gameplay really well." Uh, so they found me a co-caster. They actually made a setup. It was like, you know, they, they, had, they had mics, they had a lighting setup. I had asked for like a feedback screen. <laughs> I had all that. So I was like, okay, they're being wild with it, but I'm also committing hard. Like I'm going to do my diva and getting my caster proper yeah. gear going. <laughs> that's awesome. And that's really funny because I didn't realize that you were, because like, I didn't realize that you were a, a full-time streamer for such a short time, but like, I mean, cause I guess when you say you were a full-time streamer for three months, like you were doing so much content creation in law school and you were basically yes. like making a full-time salary already. Yes. Right. It was just, yeah, you weren't exactly. spending all your time there. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I also took uh, my last summer of law school being a full-time okay. streamer. So, uh, so like I, I went from like straight up 30 hours weeks to while I was in law school, I like, I streamed a lot. Like all of my weekends and nights were pretty much streaming. Yeah. Well, how did you like study? How did you find time to do all, all that? <laughs> uh, I just managed it. I, I always prioritized my studies first. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, I would just, oh, well, like I did do a mini hack where I actually dropped one class per session and added one session to law school. Ah, uh, nice. So it was like a slightly lighter schedule. So mm -hmm. that helped. Uh, I started doing that the second um, uh, trimester, uh, realizing it was really hardcore and that I wanted to do streaming. Mm. Uh, it's like I was making space for this. Um, plus, yeah, I just committed to studying before streaming. And uh, like when this crazy thing happened and I went to the, um, I went to cast a tournament in China once. Uh, it was during, like, it was, like, right before my midterms. Oh. <laughs> I, knew, I knew that was a bad idea. But, uh, you know, once again, I just did it. Like, I, I was like, you know what? Studying in the plane sounds like a great place to study at. So yeah. I studied for, like, I don't know, at, at least a good 13 hours on the plane. Yeah, well, and, and on the way what else are you going to do? Yeah, so it was fine. Plus, it's like that's kind of I feel like the, that was probably a really big opportunity that would have been really hard to pass up. Yeah. When like realistically, like you can go to law school anytime if you're like getting this job opportunity to, you know, cast in China, like that's probably a pretty big deal. So it, it was definitely the biggest deal at that point out of my whole like content creation career. Mm. So another thing I'm, I'm, I'm so interested in is that like you said that it was just really lonely being a content creator and like that's absolutely true. But why do you think that or what what about before you you went, you know, quote unquote, full time with content creation? What about doing that was so appealing to you? Like what made you want to be a full-time streamer? I think while I was in law school, you know, I was getting this social intake. 
Uh, even though I didn't like mm-hmm. law school, it was still so cool. <laughs> like it made me get out of the house and like you know see trees mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, so I, I think there was that. I'd say, hmm, how did that happen? I was definitely a gamer all, all of my life. I started playing StarCraft with a well, not now it's an ex boyfriend who was my boyfriend at the time, and <laughs> some of our friends. Um, and I wasn't that into the StarCraft fantasy, like the the sci-fi and like the look of the game, mm-hmm. nor the campaign. <laughs> just like, what the hell, Jen? Uh, <laughs> You're like, I didn't really like playing this game, but... <laughs> but they, they were so into it and he was into it. And he started watching Husky StarCraft and mm-hmm. D9. And then he started watching GSL. And, you know, I was there, so I, mm-hmm. I would just watch along. And then at some point, it's like something clicked in my head and I realized esports was a thing. Yeah. Like I had literally no idea while I was in law school that like esports was a thing that I could get involved into some form of gaming community and maybe have a career at any point in my life. Like I didn't know I could be a dev. I didn't know I could go into esports. So it kind of just... I suddenly saw the light. Yeah. And (laughs) I was like, there's esports. And I just felt super compelled to be a part of it because, like, I just love video games so much. Yeah, that's really funny because, like, while I never played a ton of StarCraft, I don't know if you knew, but, like, StarCraft was a big inspiration for me getting into esports as well Mm -hmm. because, like, I was also really, like, always into video games. And then it was around probably, like, 2011 that I started watching some starcraft mm-hmm. like and yeah. i was more i didn't even again not really for the game just for like the like the commentators were really hilarious like day nine yeah. is hilarious yeah, i love peace with an artosis like just I the whole know. entertainment aspect of the esports broadcast like that's what really drew me into it and so i know you have you obviously have been around esports like forever just like me <laughs> yeah. um and what have you seen changing in the last like decade or so that you've been around I just want to add a comment about StarCraft. <laughs> I, I know at first I said I wasn't into it, but like <laughs> once I got into like watching and act- actively trying to get better, I started really appreciating like the strategy of it, uh-huh. the commentary of it, how much people loved yeah. it. And then I loved it and I was really obsessed with it. So just yeah. saying. <laughs> like StarCraft is in my heart the best esports ever. And I don't think <laughs> anything can ever make it go away from this special place. You so, stand okay, it. Now, now you can still ask your question. Sorry. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Cap 10 Hats, high quality dad hats that donate 10% of their profits to ocean cleaning efforts. And now as we're heading into the colder months, Cap 10 is introducing new beanies in three colors to keep you warm for the winter. And as a thank you to happy hour listeners, you can use code happy for 15% off your order. Go to cap10hats.ca, that's C-A-P-T-E-N hats.ca, and use code HAPPY, H-A-P-P-I, for 15% off your order. Once again, that's cap10hats.ca, and use code HAPPY for 15% off. Join the movement and help save our oceans. So what ways have you seen the esports landscape change within the last 10 years? And one kind of addendum to that is if you want to speak from a place of like, the industry's, you know, treatment of women. Cause like, that's something that for me, I have seen change a ton 
over the last decade is like how women are viewed in esports. So answer it however you'd like, I would say. Yeah, so there's two questions. Wait. Industry <laughs> change. <laughs> You're typing it up. I can, I can answer. I'm double barreling it. I can answer. I can ask them one at a time. If that's it's easier. fine. It's fine. Um, so, yes, the industry for sure changed. Uh, when I started in esports, there was, and even on Twitch, there was pretty much, like, I mean, there was other games, but there was pretty much just StarCraft. <laughs> yeah, or was that the only game that you were able to see? Yeah, it felt like the most big and visible in that most time visible. period. Like I'm not yeah. dismissing, you know, the other, sorry, my cat, oh. the other like esports that occurred before, but it felt like it was like the big thing of the moment and it was that. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, I went to MLGs and I went to stuff and StarCraft was the biggest stage and everybody cared just about StarCraft and it was really exciting it was also the biggest viewership on twitch um actually i started on justin tv but yeah biggest viewership on twitch uh and i yeah, remember we're old, this, i know yeah i know I, I remember this scene evolving slowly where like at some point uh, well first the mlgs were growing at that point there was like suddenly a second game and the third game and the, their stages were getting better and then someday, somehow, League of Legends was as big as StarCraft stage. And we're like, children. <laughs> uh, and then suddenly, League of Legends is bigger than StarCraft stage. Oh. And we're like, oh, well, <laughs> wait, wait, no, wait, no, this isn't what I meant. <laughs> oh, oh, well, that's new. <laughs> and I remember us thinking, like, you know, people were, were talking, looking at the League of Legends stage. Yeah. Like, Okay, sure, they're bigger, but we scream louder. It was true, <laughs> I promise. Like the, the high points of StarCraft make the crowds go really loud. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, slowly that wasn't true anymore because <laughs> there was just so many esports and so many scenes, and then we realized we weren't the best ever, and we got off of our high horses. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, maybe that's just me, but I, I really. Like, a part of you was elitist about StarCraft. Sure. And then I realized, you know, it's really esports that I love and communities yeah. of gamers, and I welcome them. Yeah. <laughs> and then I started playing League. Oh. Uh, <laughs> my viewers were unhappy about it at first. <laughs> <laughs> and I know you play tons of Dota as yeah, well. Yeah, I transitioned from League to Dota as well. Yes. Uh, Dota is great. Mm -hmm. Uh. And I did place so I had a venture into Hearthstone for a good year and a half as well. Nice. Um, but yeah, yeah, the the esports like the esports scenes got. There's a lot of games that got in. There's a lot of movement that happened, mm -hmm. uh, and it's very interesting how we define esports today. It really varies, you know. Like with the introduction of battle royale, mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. is it an esport? Is it not an esport? You know, there was yeah. a well, and because it's so different, and also like mm -hmm. how all the all the battle royale or a lot of the battle royale tournaments that I see will have, because um, a lot of them don't necessarily have like custom lobbies that you can make. Mm -hmm. So a lot of them, it's like it, it's so it's so fascinating, right? Because mm -hmm. you'll have people competing at a game versus people that are not even playing on the same server in the same yeah. game in the same group of hundred, and mm -hmm. it's like they just do it by points, and I completely get it and I love it. 
But at the same time, like to some degree, which I mean, I know that's kind of a very casual, like I've seen a lot of like war zone tournaments happen that way. And it makes sense, but there's that like slight like takeaway of like, oh, you don't actually get to see somebody like shooting down the person that they're playing against. Mm -hmm. But it's still, you know, yeah. I'd say it is a sport personally. Yeah, I, I think it's good to be inclusive and welcome, you know, any game that wants to have a competitive scene should yeah. have the right to exist and then be <laughs> Uh, but but I also understand like coming from my old like elite StarCraft roots and like PC Master Race that yes. <laughs> there's this instinct at first, but I really think it's like for the best of the gaming industry to just mm -hmm. you know let people play what they want. If they yeah. want to play for money, well, let them play for money. It's but cool. <laughs> at the same time, like you know, probably more than anyone, that gamers are not necessarily the most <laughs> welcoming of a group of folks. They they sometimes have a little bit of fear and mm -hmm. mistrust for for things that they don't know and don't really understand. And you know, so do you feel that being a woman has been has has set up extra challenges for you both when you were a streamer and now that you're um on the you know community development and the production side of things mm -hmm. um i think I, I don't know if it i guess it makes it more challenging but for me i just felt like it was different you know mm -hmm. like you don't feel like you're getting the same path as men uh, okay. but at the same yeah, like it, it's noticeable that you're being treated differently. Uh, it's noticeable also that everything you do is like amplified with a magnifying glass. Yeah. Uh, like I remember, you know, I'm pretty sure it boosts, like it, it drew more people to come to my stream, but it also drew more toxic people to come to my stream or people that yeah. were just jumping in to judge and then hop out. But I'd like to think that it's, you know, my effort and personality that kept people in. Uh, so, like, yeah, if you mess up, if you're playing bad, it feels like it's just amplified and everybody's like, aha, we knew it. She's bad. Yeah. Like, uh, do you feel like you're held to kind of a different standard? Like, you're expected to be better than, like, like people are less forgiving, maybe, with you than they would be with, like, a man in your same position? So I, I'm still talking about the esports side, but uh, yeah, <laughs> um, I think people. It's just that people. It feels like sometimes, especially at the beginning of streaming, they were kind of waiting for me to fuck up to prove their point that I was there for the attention and the wrong reasons. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, it feels like with time, it changed. Like since my return to content creation, my grand return, my grand <laughs> small return. Definitely mm -hmm. smaller than it used to be. Um, my community is super healthy. Uh, pro mm -hmm. Maybe probably because it's smaller. Maybe because I don't know. I'm older. Maybe because I'm more ban happy. <laughs> I, I don't know. But like, I definitely care less than I used to for sure. Do you, like? Is this? It sounds like. Do you feel like there are fewer? of those like trolls or like creeps or like pervs in chat than, than there used to be five or 10 years ago? It really feels like it, but the scale at which I was dealing with is so different as well. Like back in sure. the days, my average viewership was like 1.5K average CCU, maybe more, I don't know. But mm. at least that, I, I'm confident yeah. in that number. Uh, 
And you know, now I'm like, <laughs> I don't know, 30, 60 on a good day. <laughs> so it's definitely not the same scale. Sure. Uh, so maybe I'm just protected by scale. But honestly, I had a really good experience coming back and I had like no trolls. Yeah. Maybe people say I'm older. I don't know. <laughs> I, that's something I've noticed as well, though. And I think it's partially, I'm sure it's partially because of the, you know, because like, yeah, of course, if you have a smaller viewership, smaller community, there's just less chance that there are going to be like, you know, creepy weirdos and stuff. But like, I kind of also just feel like it's the landscape of Twitch has changed. And like, there's just so many more women yeah. than there were yeah. back yeah. then. Like, yeah. like, there's just yeah. more people in general. But like, proportionally speaking, I think there are a lot more like, a higher percentage of women than there used to be. Mm -hmm. And so it's yeah. partially like, I think a lot of viewers have almost, have almost learned. We've like, we've, we've gotten, I feel like we've gotten in their face enough and been like, all right, yo, like we're here, you know, calm your tits. Yeah. Kind like, of accept us that they've, they've come to, ex they have come to accept us. Yeah. I, I would tend to agree. Like, especially like even myself browsing Twitch now, there's just so many women that it feels like, you know, almost like a, a, a non thing mm. in the sense that like I used to be like, Oh my God, another woman yes. is here alongside me. Let yeah. me watch their stream. Cause they're literally the other yes. one. Uh, but now it's like, there's just so many, I can't even know them all, but I used yeah. to know them all. That's <laughs> but I like this. I like that because that's all I've wanted all along. Like my whole, anytime I'm playing any game, like all I want is just like, treat me like I am just any other gamer, you know, don't give me special treatment. No, I, Cause I think a lot of like, sure, there are going to be a few women out there who probably exploit the, their, their gender. Um, but overall, I kind of feel like most female gamers just want like, we just want, we don't want to stand out. We don't want special treatment. We just want to act. We want you to act normal around us just the way you would if like we were a guy basically. Mm -hmm. I, I think uh, for your, your other part of your question about being a dev woman, I'd say it also evolved a bit like esports did in a way and Twitch somehow. Um, I remember getting on the Rainbow Six team and there was not that many women on the team. And funny enough, I, I was on that team for four years. Uh, by the end, I was deeply involved in the, we call it the live part of the game. So it's all like the, you know, patch notes and content releases and esports and all that jazz. Um, and funny enough, it's like women gathered around the concept of live. Like there was this live development sync uh, and then more and more women somehow ended up in that team and I, I feel like they're kind of attracting each other in a way yeah absolutely well do you think that maybe you had anything to do with that because I mean you were like one of the first ones so do you think that that kind of paved the way for other women to say like yeah this is where in the company I want to work um I think there's a part of that I think there's like I think if I remember correctly, like most of these women were already at Ubisoft, but it's like they kind of converged together. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's awesome though. Yeah. Do you have any advice for women or girls who want to work in games when they grow up or maybe who just want to play games without getting harassed in general? Um, hmm. Well, I mean, one thing I did do that I really liked was uh, when I got into like really into streaming and into StarCraft was that I joined a, a group on Facebook that was called Girls of StarCraft. Um, 
So I think finding a group of peers that are like, you know, maybe nowadays there's like some Twitch communities that are inclusive. <laughs> not to not to toot my own community, but I'm preaching mindfulness, respect, and like supporting each other, especially with COVID times. Uh, and I think I'm sure I'm not the only one. So that, that's kind of what I'm referring to. I, I think finding a place where you see, feel safe and where you have support is a great place to start. And then it just, you know, even if a couple of people are trolly, it's like you're surrounded by good, nice people. So it's, it's okay. I mean, it's not, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, well, it kind of helps to like filter out some of the noise, you know? Yeah. Like if you're a part of a community where you know these people have your back and you know that they'll support you, it almost gives you more confidence. Yeah, exactly. Like for me, being a part of a community gives me more confidence in all aspects of my life. Like I know it's kind of a safe space. And I know that if I journey outside in a community and someone's like mean to me or trolling me or bullying me, I know I can retreat back into my community and they'll, they'll be there for me. Yeah, that, that's what I mean. It's like if somebody trolls you and tries to hurt you, you have a group of people that would be like don't listen to this this is ridiculous <laughs> i think if, if you were alone it's more difficult to deal with it so that's why i think that's why i think representation is important that's why i think like these weird not a safe haven but you know these little islands of people that are alike gathering is a good and normal human behavior and i think it's it's good to to find a place where you feel safe and support this episode is brought to you by cap 10 hats high quality dad hats that donate 10 percent of their profits to ocean cleaning efforts and now as we're heading into the colder months cap 10 is introducing new beanies in three colors to keep you warm for the winter and as a thank you to happy hour listeners you can use code happy for 15 percent off your order Go to cap10hats.ca, that's C-A-P-T-E-N hats.ca, and use code HAPPY, H-A-P-P-I, for 15% off your order. Once again, that's cap10hats.ca, and use code HAPPY for 15% off. Join the movement and help save our oceans. So in talking about mental health and your career, do you feel that your mental health has a big impact on your career and vice versa? And the reason I ask is like, cause for me, they're very intertwined and I feel like when I do a good job, my mental health is good. And when my mental health is good, I do a good job. And it's also can be tough to like open myself up to a lot of criticism from like Reddit and Twitch chat and stuff like that. And that has like a big impact on sort of like the way I view myself and my whole mental health and everything. And I'm trying to mm -hmm. sort of separate the two more, but like for now they are completely, you know, intertwined. So do you feel like um, any of that uh, applies yeah. to you? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. There's, there's a big relationship between everything. Uh, of course you try to come compartmentalize a little bit mm -hmm. uh, but I did notice that uh, with my new job and with COVID uh, you know at first it was a, a little bit more difficult uh, but I started having a really healthy routine where I started doing yoga five times a week uh, and I was doing walks like almost twice a day during daytime to get some sunshine in during lunch break uh, and I felt like I was a lot calmer and more collected 
coming into this new job than I've ever been before. And I was like, wow, they're really getting a good, healthy version of me. Nice. Um, but it's hard to keep up, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, for example, like when it was in my routine, it was pretty easy, but I took two weeks off for vacation. Now I've been back for two weeks and I'm really struggling to hit that pace again. Mm. Uh, but I still think, you know, I, I'm doing a good job at work, but I don't feel like I'm taking enough time to kind of, you know, do self-care and do that yeah. yoga thing. And, yeah. you know, I, I started cooking again. So I'm start I'm starting to hit my, my pace again mm -hmm. of self-care. But sometimes there are some timings where it gets difficult to balance mm -hmm. properly. Uh, especially with working from home like I really love my job it's kind of hard to stop uh, <laughs> so I, I you know somehow when it was like oh yeah at five o'clock I do yoga and that's that it was easier that when I'm like oh yeah I'll do yoga at some point and mm -hmm. oh suddenly it's, it's 6 30 and then I'm hungry and you know yeah it's so easy to put off because you're like oh I can just do that anytime I can do it yeah. later and then you just don't do it so did you start this new job like right around the time COVID was, was hitting yeah. and shutting down? So <laughs> yes, that's a crazy actually, transition. Yeah. So I joined Convulsion Games during COVID. So I okay. actually never went to their studio. Uh, I joined them having met nobody physically from that wow. team. Uh, since then, I did see a couple of people from the team in the park once. Uh, which, you know, there was like six people when it was allowed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was allowed to do gatherings at the park, socially distanced gatherings. It was mm -hmm. fine. Uh, it, that did me a lot of good. And then there's like one colleague that I, I'm seeing once in a while because she lives super close to my place. So we're like taking socially distanced walked, walks. Mm -hmm. um, but it is weird. Like I had a weird and I think it's related to COVID like there's this it's almost like the Twitch thing you know there's a yeah. disconnect where you have what's real life like physically mm -hmm. in your real life and then you have this like crazy like virtual, online yeah, virtual world and life where there's like people and things and your career yeah. uh, so it's similar to what I was doing on Twitch except I'm living it with like 60 other people so it's not as bad yeah <laughs> anyway well, it's so weird, isn't it? Because like, I, you know, I've been doing a lot of like hosting remotely. And so now I'm, I'm working with different production companies mm -hmm. and there's, it's normally, you know, I do all this stuff yeah. in person and you get mm -hmm. to physically meet these people. And yeah. it's so, it's like, it's, it's the same, but it's so different. And like, it does, it is this super weird thing where you know, if I'm at an event in person, like I have to be around all these people mm -hmm. and, you know, it's, it's, it's fine. You do your job, but here it, doing things remote, it's kind of like, well, I just take off my headset and I walk away and boom, <laughs> I'm, I'm leaving the set, you know, yeah. like I, I, I almost have complete control over like what these people see of me and know about me. Like I sit there not wearing pants yeah. and they won't like, I'm sure they know but they don't ever have to see that. It's a very, it's almost like, if you think about it, it's almost like the, the millennial influencers, like yeah. ideal scenario, because mm -hmm. like influencers are already so used to like perfectly curating their image and putting out their mm -hmm. only the sides of themselves and even blatantly making stuff up and only like putting that out there. And it's kind of like, this is what like 
Twitch influencers and Twitch streamers have been doing for years because their audience really only gets to see what they specifically show them. Only now it's the entire world, like your coworkers and yeah, everyone only crazy. gets to see like what you show oh. them. <laughs> to be fair, I had really great training by doing Twitch content. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, you know, speaking to the yeah. full team from my webcam. Yep a lot easier than in person i'm like yeah, no problem you can you know put it like makes times a hundred this team i can still still speak on my webcam but put them in front of me and i'll be shaking in my boots that's very interesting that it's uh yeah and i i mean that's that's yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah, it, it's pretty crazy though like when you think about it like the mm -hmm. team doesn't even know that i'm super tall yeah <laughs> Yeah, there's all these like like if uh, things if things ever go back to normal and like we go, it's gonna be weird. It's gonna be like an adjustment. I feel like our whole generation is going to have like PTSD or like not our generation, like everybody, literally everybody who is older than like a toddler who is living mm -hmm. through this. Like when we get over this, when we get on the other side, we are all going to need therapy, like bad. <laughs> I mean, some of us already do, but it's gonna make it even worse. But 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 it is weird. Like you know, it's gonna be so. So weird when all of the newcomers from compulsions, because they've hired quite a bit of people during the pandemic. Um, so like, it's going to be a new school day, basically, because also uh, we're moving. So like their old studio that they had when COVID happened, they're moving to a new one after COVID's done. Mm. So it's going to be like a change of location and a fully new like first day of school vibe yeah. with like the 20 new people or whatever that got hired during COVID. It's going to be so weird. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you consider yourself more of an introvert or an extrovert? Uh, I'm not sure. I think I'm an introvert maybe. So, I think I, I'm very extroverted about, not extroverted, but I'm, you're, you're outgoing, and, you're socially. Yeah, I, I, I'm very outgoing about topics I'm passionate about. And mm -hmm. I am shameless about reaching out if I have a purpose. Mm -hmm. uh, so for example, like with like anyone from the dev team I'm working on, it's probably getting what maybe appears to be an extrovert. Because <laughs> uh, I have purpose in every time I go reach out to them, right? So I, I'm just very proactive at it. But mm -hmm. um you know, I'm very happy sitting behind my computer. Yeah. Well, and so like if you, the way introvert versus extrovert is like really defined isn't quite as much like, you know, we all, we always kind of tend to think of it as like, oh, if you're an introvert, you're very shy and quiet. Mm -hmm. And if you're an extrovert, you're like loud and talkative and social, but really it's like where you get your energy from. Mm -hmm. So some people um, get energized by being around a lot of people, a lot of stimulation, mm -hmm. a lot yeah. of noise. Some people that takes a lot of energy to be around a lot of those people. And like, so I would honestly consider myself an introvert because it just, it takes so much energy for me to like talk to people and be around people and listen to people talking and react to all these stimuli and the noises and the lights that takes so much energy. Like I can do it, but it just drains me. And then I need to be by myself to like recharge and, and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So kind of, does that like change your answer yeah. at all? I would still say I'm mostly an introvert, but mm -hmm. there are some extrovert things that do recharge me, but they're very specific. Mm -hmm. uh, like I am recharged, uh, you know, the work interactions, while they cost me like, like, you know, it costs energy to work, uh -huh. but I don't feel like the fact that I'm working with people removes energy from me. I feel like they feed me energy. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I also feel like, you know, seeing one or two friends that I'm really close to doesn't really cost me energy. Uh, they feed me energy. But like, if you ask me to be in a group of like six, even if it's six friends, it's, it starts to be a lot. And I'm like, oh, I, I need space. And like, don't ask me to go clubbing. That's <laughs> like, it's, it's horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't feel great in big groups. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very, very happy. Like if I'm booked to see, let's say one person on a Thursday, I'll make sure to clear up my Wednesday and ideally my Friday. <laughs> uh, you know, I can see people back to back, but I, I tend to try to space it out with like a resting day. So yeah. I, I would think that's an introvert move. Yeah. Yeah. I would say so. When it comes to your work, um, you know, it sounds like obviously you take a lot of pride in your work. Would you say that you put a lot of pressure on yourself to like be good at your job? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh I think I'm a I don't know. I, I think I'm an ambitious person. I think I like to do my best at all times, or else I feel like why do anything? Mm-hmm. Um so even not just at work, but even with my content creation that I'm just not now restarting, is like how can I do a next step? How can I get better? Like I'm probably outdated. I need to learn something. Should I watch some videos about how to stream? Uh, and I'm doing kind of the same at work. I'm always seeking feedback and how can I improve? Doing a lot of, you know, questioning myself if I'm doing the right calls, if I should be learning anything more. Um, so I definitely put some pressure on myself, but uh, I enjoy it, though. I get really driven by it. It's really fun to try to learn and grow and be the best person you can be for your team. And So that motivates you rather than, like, yeah. it doesn't, like, it doesn't, um, like, make you feel bad. It, like, like, for instance, like, if you have a situation where you're, like, disappointed and, like, mm-hmm. feel like you could have done a better job or whatever, like, sounds like you don't really dwell on it. You just kind of, like, use it as, like, okay, that's what I'll do better next time. Yeah, it, it's like, I mean, on the moment, uh, it can hurt, but mm-hmm. like, usually the next day or maximum two days later, I'm like, com- like, I'm already coming up with solutions and trying to get better. It's mm-hmm. it's rare that I dwell on things. Uh, but like, sometimes though, like I put too much pressure and then I feel the stress coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I feel I've learned to manage it better. Uh, for example, like let's say somebody's triggers stress in me, but they probably don't know. Because um, I've already, you know, let's say, for example, something as silly as, uh, I don't know, let's say I wanted to do a presentation for Friday, but I realized it would be wiser to do it the week after so that it's better prepared and that I consulted a couple more people. Uh, but then let's say uh, a colleague tells me, hey, wouldn't it be great if we, like, why are we waiting? Shouldn't we do it this Friday? I'll be like, (gasps) (laughs) (laughs) and and then, like, all the stress that I was pushing away, like, my own personal pressure, it, like, comes back, and I'm like, oh, crap. Uh, But I feel like with the years and now, like, what I would do is just talk to my colleague and be like, hey, so, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm already putting all of this, pressure on myself to ship things as fast as I can mm-hmm. like, if you feel like something should happen it's cool to check but just know that I'm already pressuring myself to make it happen as soon as possible and if I'm <laughs> saying it's gonna happen next week it's because 
I convinced myself it, for the right reasons that it should not happen this week. Mm. Uh, and, you know, people take it well, usually. <laughs> Thank you so much, as always, for listening. And if you're still here with me, I'm going to ask you a favor. If you have a few minutes, ratings are something that really, really helps. So if you're listening to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, if you give us a rating, that really helps us show up higher in searches. Or if you're listening on Spotify, if you follow the podcast on Spotify, that's another thing that really helps us out. So if you could do that, I would really appreciate it. But if not, that's okay too. Hope you have an awesome day and I'll catch you next time.